The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, so thankful, so thankful that this morning we can gather as your redeemed, and we can say so, Lord. We can declare your glory. We can enjoy your presence. And Lord, I pray that you'd be lifted up as we do those things this day. Amen. You may be seated. Philippians 2. Now, of all my favorites that I have to tell you, favorite book of the Bible is, do you know it? That's right. We, I'm glad you were listening last week. Favorite chapter of the favorite book of the Bible is definitely chapter 2. And I think we can, uh, I hope you'll be able to understand why this is such an exciting chapter. To me, it really does just an incredible job of just summarizing, first of all, the gospel, and then just what it looks like in our everyday lives, as far as it ties all that together. So um, I'm pretty pumped about the whole Philippians 2 thing. In fact, I could have a good time. Some of you probably wish I'd do this, but I could have a good time if I just read it to you and then said, okay, we're done. Uh, let's sing again and, and hit the road, go out and enjoy the uh, beautiful snow that is falling. Speaking of that, I I wanted to stay with the, we're falling for Philippians theme, so we have this picture. Last week, it looked like that outside. Remember that? <laughs> we kind of lost that, but at the same time, we'll stay with that idea of that fall theme and falling for Philippians and really hope that as we look at God's Word, I can help you, and you'll see why as we go through this, this is so important, but I can help you love the Word of God more. And really just cling to it and hold to it and dive into it. That's the goal. Now, before I do that, before we jump into Philippians 2, uh, once a month I try to do a little bit of a financial update, say a word about our finances. Uh, the word at the end of October is good. Okay? Uh, no, we'll say just a little bit more. Uh, I, I'm glad to be able to say that. Uh, our offerings this year have continued to exceed the uh, budget, uh, which is exciting uh, that we've stayed up there. And uh, light spending at the beginning of the year has given us the opportunity to do some things like you notice we have, well, you don't notice unless you were here before, but we have new lights in here. We have new carpet in here. We have new lights for the hallway down here. If you've ever walked down the children's hallway, we lost three kids there last week. It's a little dark, um, but uh, that's all right. We think they're still there if you want to find them this week. If you don't, we'll keep them another week. Uh, but uh, but we have new lights for the rest of the building, too, that are already here, and we're going to get those in. And we've been so thankful we've been able to do some things like that. I wanted to mention at the year's end, and this is kind of weird. Uh, I'm, this probably isn't in the pastor handbook as far as how you're supposed to do this, but you know, for the first six or seven years that I was here, at the end of the year, I was always saying, hey, we really need to have a strong finish to the year to catch up on budget, and uh, we were talking about that. Well, you know, we'd still like, I know many of you like to do some end-of-the-year giving or a Christmas gift for Jesus, so we wanted to, a uh, couple different things that you may have seen in the connection this week. Our, our missionaries to Hungary, Mark and Karn Patton, have planted three churches there already, in Estragom, Tot, and some other Hungarian town. I can't remember what. Uh, but as their kids, their, their youngest went away to college. They were empty nestered. They were kind of pursuing the Lord as to what else to do and felt like the Lord would have them go into the capital city of Hungary of Budapest. I said that right, by the way, Budapest. That's my Hungarian pronunciation. But uh, they're going in there and start a church. And uh, they've been getting that going, renting a building. But they could very much use some new sound equipment that they have to move in and out there. Uh, so... 
uh, you know, I thought the Lord has blessed us greatly with the ability to upgrade our sound system around here and visual and everything like that. So I thought that would be pretty neat as, as a Christmas present. We could kind of send them something. Uh, probably about $4,000 would deal with that. So if that's something you'd like to give to, uh, you can mark that for the patents or for Hungary, or there's an opportunity to give uh, to that online. And then also end of the year giving, we need to begin to, I think we have $2,000 in our roof fund which will pay for me to go up there one time. <laughs> uh, but uh, you may have noticed our roof is a little antiquated. If you ask me if it leaks, it depends on which way the wind is blowing. Literally, it depends on which way the wind is blowing. There's a certain direction that, yes, it does leak. Uh, but we really need to look at that. So we thought if you'd like to give you know, in, in church to something at the end of the year, that'd be a great opportunity. So those things are before you like that. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to mention two other things. The kids already are working on um, collecting some money for a Christmas gift to one of the homeless housing uh, communities in South Bend. I'm sorry, homeless housing. That made a lot of sense. Uh, housing for those who had been homeless. There you go. And uh, they're already... I've been working on that. If you have kids, you're familiar with that. Something else going on, uh, we have often hosted the foster care Christmas dinner. That is still not allowed this year. Uh, so we're going to do a drive-through Christmas dinner, and uh, which they're going to get a craft at one station in the parking lot and a meal at the other station like that. If you would like to help with that, I think the date is December 3rd. I saw Curtis, but maybe he's in with kids because I saw him somewhere. Uh, but anyway, Curtis and, and Amy would be the folks to talk about uh, or talk to about that. I believe that's December 3rd in the evening. So anyway, a lot going there. I'm out of breath already. Here we go. Philippians. Ready? Philippians chapter 2. You don't look properly excited. Are you excited? Because Yeah, you better be, because this really is. I mean, if, if I can't preach an exciting sermon about Philippians 2, you really need to take a serious look at cutting my pay. Okay. Um, anyway, here you go. Uh, I wanted to highlight, before we actually get into reading the text, the first four words. Actually, I missed one word. Uh, before the first five words of chapter 2, it says, if there is any, because basically what Paul's doing is saying, if there is anything to this whole Christianity thing, this business of following Jesus, this new life in Christ, he says, here is what it's going to look like. So this little phrase kind of ties together. You see, I am alarmed that... Many people continue to come to this church and to many other churches thinking, hey, you know what? Uh, the reason I'm coming is basically I want to be a better person. I want to help get my life together maybe a little bit. I want to have a religious component to my life. And I think maybe if I add a little Christianity, that'll help. And although that sounds real good and that's real nice, I, I have to tell you I'm afraid we're missing something big there. Because God isn't interested in being a part of our life. He's interested in giving us a whole new life and transforming our lives. And I think for so many people, uh, you know, it's, it's almost that idea that even those who are attending churches that preach about the grace of God and understand that Jesus Christ had paid, has paid the price for our sin, I still hear phrases all the time like, I hope I'm good enough. I hope I'm doing enough. And I have to tell you straight up, you're not. Okay, the holiness of God is so far above us that the only way that that bridge between this holy God and sinful man can be crossed is through the work of Jesus Christ, and we'll see that today. But I want to just—I think this this study really just shows us how incredibly different, if you want to say it like that, Christianity is from religion, because religion is all about me cleaning up my life and trying to make myself acceptable to God. Christianity is about God bridging that gap in his love and in the person of Jesus Christ. I used to, uh, 
uh, be part of a church that I th- the big emphasis was your Christianity was all about what you do. Okay, you're defined by what you do. And that, that doesn't sound all that bad. Uh, some others were, no, it's more about what you know. And, and, uh, and then I heard a preacher one time say, no, no, it's really about what you are because what you are shows up in, in what you do. And I thought, ah, oh, that's really good. But the truth is Christianity is not about what I know, what I do, uh, what, I, uh, what I am even. Christianity is about who he is. And when we gather together, when we sing his prayers, by the way, I appreciate, uh, if you didn't notice, Jeremy, uh, I heard him talking this morning, he was a little raspy. I know Jeremy's always a little raspy, that's kind of his sound. I have a sound I'm working on too, I'll reveal that later. But, uh, uh, but anyway, he was a little extra raspy this morning, so I, th- I think, uh, I don't think, they think Trent or Jen, Jess knew that they were leading this morning when they came in, but they did a great, great job of stepping up there, so I appreciate that very much. Uh, that the, the teens would step in in that way. But uh, anyway, back to uh, when we gather, when we sing, when we worship, I mean, really what we're doing or what we should be doing, what we should be focusing on is the fact that we are here to declare his glory and enjoy his presence. Okay, so many times everything... We get lost in everything else. We get lost in performance. We get lost in uh, whether or not I like this particular song or whatever like that, or whether I like what the pastor's wearing. By the way, did you notice Josh and I look very similar today? Josh, could you stand up for a second? We have the same, never mind. Uh, He he won't do it. We have an official uniform. But, uh, you know, we get so lost in these things. But we gather together as his people to declare his glory and to enjoy his presence. Uh, If you can imagine with me for a second, I am going out to a lovely romantic restaurant okay it is it is a nice restaurant it is really really good and uh i'm gonna have a i'm a steak guy so i'm gonna have a steak but it's one of these uh, restaurants that's so nice that you know they give you this wee little steak and you're supposed to pretend like you really like it better than anything else but you really wish you had a big steak uh but it's it's nice you know it's a, there's christmas lights up and everything like that i'm here at this romantic restaurant i uh my steak is coming it's you know nice music playing in the background it's really kind of enjoyable it's it's a great great atmosphere there's no prices on the menu because if you have to ask you can't afford it so uh you just order whatever you want and and here isn't that a beautiful little scene here here's the problem i'm sitting there by myself okay now weird illustration i know but i think for so many people the christian life is i don't know how to say it's, it's missing the most important thing just the, the idea of Jesus Christ and walking with him and knowing him. And I say that from personal testimony. I say that because I have lived a lot of my life for God, but not with God. And this idea of, of knowing him and walking uh, with him and connecting to Jesus Christ as being the first and most important part of our life, I think uh, we'll see this a little bit as we go. Okay, I'm ready. Chapter 2. Uh, so if, so Paul's tying it back to chapter one says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, okay, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection with sympathy and sympathy, complete my joy by being the same mind, having the same love, being full, uh, being in full accord and of one mind. Now we're going to read through to start with, I think the first 11 verses, then we're going to read some more later. But just to, you know, again, Paul is saying, hey, if there's something to this Christian life, if there's any encouragement in Christ, comfort from this love, participation in the Spirit, if this is all real, if, if this is making a difference, here's complete my joy, here's how you do that, being the same mind. And, and just real quickly to mention, this theme comes up over and over again in Scripture, especially in Paul's writings, the idea of unity. 
okay? Being of the same mind, having the same love. If you think the pastor harps on that too much, I really don't think I harp on it near as much as Scripture does. It talks about the importance of God's children and the way we uh, treat each other and the way we work together. But let me go on in the text here. Do nothing from selfish ambition or, or conceit, but in humility count ourselves... Uh, but in humility, count ourselves more significant than... <laughs> Anybody would like to read this for me? Uh, but in humility, count others, that's the word I wanted to say, more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also in the interest of others. If you want a quick summary of, you've heard the little saying, you know, what would Jesus do? If you want a quick summary of what Jesus would do, there it is. Okay, there it is, the humility that we see there. But let's, let's go on. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Although he was, one translation says, in very nature God, although he was God, he decided not to hold on to that, but instead decided to set that aside. And he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Okay, we have to change our fall scene for a second because Jesus just was born in the likeness of men. So we have to put that verse in a Christmas setting. That's, that's your early Christmas present right there. Jesus being born, he humbled himself. And then being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So we just jumped another holiday. We need Easter right there. Okay, but as you look, that I, I love to read this. I mean, this is the part I think we could just read and look at it. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Jesus, born in the likeness of men, he took on human form. In human form, he humbled himself, became obedient, even to the point of death, even that death on the cross. Therefore, and actually, okay, you know what my favorite book of the Bible is? Do you know by any chance? Philippians, she's all over it. You know what my favorite chapter is? Two, ask me what my favorite verse is. Right here. Yeah, I don't even remember the number. But uh, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You know, I probably, just to be polite, uh, may never spit this phrase out, but sometimes when I hear somebody say something like, well, I just really don't believe in all that. I'm not sure that I actually believe in Jesus or believe that he was God. I believe he's a nice man, but I'm not sure that I actually believe that he's God. I'm not sure I believe in all that stuff that you're talking about right there. I, I kind of, at least under my breath, I always want to say you will. I don't know how else to say it. I don't mean to be smug. I don't mean to be arrogant, but you will. Because the Bible says very clearly that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is glory. That day, that day is coming. Now, to, to kind of summarize these first 11 verses and what it talks about here, I want you to go back to school, and I want you to think about, okay, I have always said this wrong, and I'm afraid I'm going to do it. Parabola. That was right, right? Parabola. I used to always say parabola, I think, which sounds like some type of disease. Uh, but uh, we're going to go with parabola. I think I'm saying it the right way. I want you to visualize a parabola. Okay. However, the parabola that I want you to visualize actually is kind of like that in that it extends the top beyond what we can imagine. But I also want you to see it dipping down below what you can imagine and then going back up to the top because that's exactly what it is, talks about in these verses. The story begins the, with Jesus being in his exalted place as God. 
And I want to be real frank with you. I don't think I could come close to painting the picture of the glory of that. I would love to, but I don't think I can. There are all types of songs about heaven, and sometimes my wife and I, you know, we're weird. We're like, what song do you want sung at your funeral? We've planned our funerals a bunch of times already. Uh, I still want B.J. Thomas' uh, Home Where I Belong. I just think it'd be cool, but I don't even know if he's still alive, and I don't know if he'd come. But, uh, but, uh, but I, I still want that. She always is like, I, I still want I Can Only Imagine. Okay, I do think that that little phrase right there, I can only imagine, captures it better than anything because we cannot get a glimpse of the glory of heaven, of the perfection of heaven. We just can't comprehend it. So our parabola starts with this, this way beyond our ability to comprehend, but then it says that Jesus humbled himself and came down, and I also do not think that we can comprehend the depravity into which he fell. You know, sometimes we see the depravity of mankind. I was listening to news this week, and, you know, there was this story from northern Indiana about this baby being found in a retention pond. I don't know if you saw that, and somebody had killed the mother and thrown the bo- uh, this baby away and you think, how sick does somebody have to be? How decrepit, how depraved does somebody have to be to understand that the God of the universe went from the glories of heaven, descended and took on human form, and the Bible says this, he became sin for us. The Bible says he became sin. He bore our sins so that we could become his righteousness. It's unbelievable the descent that he came in humbling himself. And then course he is lifted up above so we remember this whole idea of parable uh, <laughs> that thingy uh, that goes like that to begin with his glory that we can only imagine to understand that we could not even get to the dread or the depravity to which he he went and yet extended back to heaven we see in this the lion and the lamb we see the exalted christ humbled we see the humble christ exalted we see that he has gone to the lowest point and came through it and he's triumphed over it. Can I? Well, we got to get this, folks. <laughs> Christianity is not another religion you might want to try. It's just not. It is just not the same. You may not accept the teachings of the cross, but it is not just. Every group of men recognize that there's a problem, that it knows that we're not perfect. Okay? By the way, we all know that. God's built that inside of us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that we all have an understanding that we're not perfect. We all understand that there's a sinfulness. We all have that conscience. We all know that. But what religion is always trying to do is figure out a way that I can make myself better, that I can somehow earn God's approval, that I can get up to that standard somehow. I I don't know how it's going to work for me. Maybe it's through a series of rebirths, you know, where I'm pretty good in this life, so I come back in a little higher thing, and I'm pretty good in that life, so I come back in a little higher thing, or I'm pretty bad, and I take a step back, and I'm a, a uh, warthog in the next life. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but somehow I got to work my way up. I got to get there. Christianity says absolutely nothing about that. Christianity says that God came to earth, became sin for man, paid the price for that sin, and said, believe in me and trust in me. It is not, it is not the same. Pastor, you kind of sound like you're thinking that there's only one way to get right with God. You're getting exactly what I'm saying, and I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm really not. It's, it's just not that I think I'm all that smart. But I do know that uh, th- this separates. I, I, I get frustrated when I think people are just, oh, well, yeah, I'm giving Christianity a try. I'm going to give Jesus a little try. I want you to know it is not a religion. It is not a way for man to try to make himself good enough for God. Christianity is the story of God bridging the gap in love by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. 
And the next verse is moved from that parabola, parabola uh, more into, I guess, what we could say is the practical or the practice of religion as we move forward. And this next verse we need to look at for a little bit here. He says, therefore, because of all that God has done, because he has bridged this gap, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, he's writing to them, he's not there. He says, I want you to listen to this. Listen to what he says. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Very important phrase there. We are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible never says, and don't miss this, the Bible never says work for your own salvation. In fact, that's contrary to the message of Scripture. In Ephesians, we saw very clearly that it is a gift of God. And we are saved not by works. We are not to work for our salvation. But our salvation is something that God who works in you, for it is God who works in you, God has placed in you the new life. That's what he, that's what he calls when a person receives Jesus Christ, comes to Jesus Christ and, and asks for forgiveness of sin and believes on him, accepts Jesus Christ as Savior. He calls that a new birth. I'm giving you a whole new life here. And it is God who now is in you and he works in uh, works in you, and your salvation then is worked out in how you live. It is not for salvation. It is because of salvation. Now I'm going to work it out. I'm going to live it. I'd like you to notice another word in there. It says work out, and don't miss this, work out your own salvation. Don't worry about everybody else. Uh, we have, and uh, not that I'm a proud grandparent who talks about his grandchildren every chance he gets, uh, but, uh, you know, you, you got to be obnoxious uh, a little bit, I think, but... Um, we have two, four, <laughs> six, eight. Uh, we have four grandkids right now, okay? We have got two three-year-old boys. They are from different families. They're not twins. And we have two uh, nine-month-old girls, okay? And we were just together with them a couple weeks ago. We get to do that a couple times a year. And uh, when we're together, uh, our oldest grandson has something called Prater-Willie syndrome. Uh, but because of that, his development is slow and his strength is slow. His cousin is I mean beside the word boy in dictionary there's Hosea I mean Hosea is just running everywhere and he never talks he yells everything uh, he's just a wild child and, and going all over the, over the place there and Easton on the other hand Easton cannot like navigate stairs yet or sidewalks or anything like that without holding on to something and they have to be you know real careful and stuff like that and sometimes I'll watch my daughter Easton's mother and I'll watch and you know and, and there's there's a I don't think I call it a jealousy, but there's kind of a hurt, you, you know what I mean? Because she's watching how much more the other one can do. And in fact, her daughter is two weeks younger than my son's daughter, and she's, she was crawling ahead. And, you know, I could tell my daughter wanted to give her a, a ribbon. Crawling, first, first one to crawl. Uh, beat you. Uh, uh, I mean, she didn't, but, you know, she kind of went, watch her crawl, yeah. Uh, she can go all, all over the place, but, you know, she, and we kind of say, let's give her that win, you know, that, that's good. But I watched that little bit, and again, it's not nasty, but a little bit of competition, and I thought to myself, as a grandparent, I could care less. I could care less. They're growing at their own rate. I'm going to love them no matter what. But I thought how much that is our Heavenly Father. If we remember that God has put a new life in us and we will mature at different rates. And uh, some of you that are my age, uh, you know we still sometimes feel like we're kids because we still feel like sometimes we have so much stinking stuff to learn. Uh, but, we're, but we're growing and we're learning and we're maturing. And I want to work out my own salvation, not worry about exactly where you are. 
Have you ever noticed that we all have our weirdities and our things that we could say, hey, that's a nice guy, but uh, he's got this problem. And if you haven't found them in me yet, then you're not looking very careful. <laughs> uh, because, you know, they're like that. But we are to work out and work on a growing but it is our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work his good pleasure. Let me stop here for a second on that word will, too. It's his will to put in us. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I find more than anything, I know what God wants me to do, but a lot of times I, my will is the problem. Okay, I know what I should do, but my will is the problem. But God is working and transforming and changing and getting his will inside of me more and more as I grow. And that's largely what happens. And that's why I say I don't want church and coming to church to be a, a, a list of things you do and you don't do and me telling you some more things you shouldn't work on or anything like that. But I want it to be an experience where we are lifting him up, we're praising him, we're enjoying him, we're growing in him, we're working out the salvation that is inside of us and he is growing us, and he is changing us, and he is changing my will. <laughs> Listen to the first specific thing he says here. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Okay, again, Paul writing centuries ago says, is a cro crooked and twisted generation. I wonder, you know, sometimes we think, oh, the world's worse than it's ever been. And, you know, in some ways, it, yeah, I'm sure it is. And for a lot of us, we can look and say, oh, it's, it's worse than it's been in my lifetime. But uh, I think Paul, Paul would say, ah, I got some stories to tell you. <laughs> I had a pretty wicked world in my day, too. See, because men kind of been wicked all, all along. And there's still a wickedness there. But he says, we are to shine as a light. Jesus says he is the light. He's passed that on, that we are to shine as lights in the world. And one of the first things he says is going to be important there is that we're doing life without grumbling and complaining, grumbling and disputing. For when I dispute, uh, grumble when I complain. My pride is there pretty obviously. My lack of faith in trusting what God is doing uh, comes out very clearly. My sense of entitlement, uh, in, you know, in the, uh, that I think I deserve better than what, what I'm getting. So he says instead that we are to shine. There should be a difference as God is maturing and working in us. We are to shine. Um, my, uh, we live right beside a school building, and in the last week, actually, they've replaced all the lighting uh, where it was, it, it used to be, you, Francis and I would walk at night, and we'd go up behind the school, and it was a dark path that we'd go along where you could barely, like, you know, we'd lose the dog and things like that. Now it really is like you're walking down a football field. <laughs> you know, I was making shadow puppets and uh, different things like that on Hase. It really got bright, and we debated because I liked it better dark. It's probably, they say, you know, men love darkness because their ways are evil. Uh, but my wife's like, no, I like the light so much better. And we debated because, you know, light can be fun and, and uh, you know, safe and everything like that. Uh, life can also just be kind of irritating, you know, shine a light in somebody's eye. I think a lot of times that we need to remember that we are supposed to be that light that brings guidance, that brings safety, that brings encouragement, but not that light that brings irritation. 
Uh, do you know anybody who's always trying to shine the light in somebody's eye <laughs> in kind of an ir- irritating way? But again, as we were focusing on ourselves, working out our own salvation and following him, uh, I mean, that's where that comes in. I mean, it's just the, it's the flow of our life that we are going to shine as lights because his light is inside of us. And as we follow him, as we lean into him, now let's see just a little bit more about how we can indeed light it up. Verse number 16 and 17, here's what the the apostle wrote he said holding fast to the word of life i don't think we need a deep uh, bible translation on that the word of life guess what that is okay now remember those he's writing to did not have all the scriptures at that time they had what we call the old testament Uh, they did have some of the scriptures that were written but he said that you are to hold fast to that in fact he says so that in the day of christ i may be proud that i did not run in vain (laughs) i i kind of read that and the apostle paul wrote and he said i want you to hold on to the word of god so that i'm not wasting my time and i thought about that if all i do is i don't know get you to come to church for a little while or even get you to join church or anything like that but i don't get you to fall in love with this book Maybe I'm wasting my time in a lot of ways. I, I don't know how to say pastors come and go. <laughs> Anybody want to amen? I'll say it again. Uh, pastors come and amen. Uh, we can get rid of you at any time, but, but they do. I mean, I, I am anything, honestly, anything but a church hopper. You know what I mean? We're not, but I've, I've had 10 different, well, I'm sorry, I'm number 10. I'm my 10th pastor. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, you know, when you do the math, that means I made it about five years per pastor. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm just saying, somewhere, my job has got to be to get you to hold fast to this. And, you know, there is a sense in which technology makes holding fast to the Word of God a lot easier because of its availability. But there's also another sense. Let me ask you a second here. Let me pick on somebody. I'm going to pick on somebody. No, not Gene. Who do I want here? Aaron. Okay. How many phone numbers do you know? Two? Okay. <laughs> Okay, I don't know, you just know two digits or two numbers? Okay, two numbers, okay. You know your own. Okay, you know, know your own. Okay, that's it for me too. No, I know three. I know, I know my wife's, I know mine, and I know my daughter's. I know the last four digits of my son's, but that doesn't get me very far. I think I need the other ones. Uh, so, uh, and most of us would be in that category, right? Now, again, those old folks, folks you remember when you were younger? You knew a lot of phone numbers, didn't you? I mean, I don't even know, like, our church's phone number. I literally don't. It's kind of embarrassing when you're on the phone. Could you tell me that phone number? Yes, hold on. i got to get onto my computer and look it up uh, and, and tell, the, tell them. But the idea of holding fast is the idea of learning and keeping, remembering, yeah, clinging to it like that. And we don't really, we're not good about that anymore in general because we always think, why should I learn it? All I have to do is say, hey call Larry. Uh, and, it, and it calls Larry. I thought about this. As far as being a teacher goes, I used to teach history. Now, it's been about 20, 25 years since I taught history. I'd have a hard time teaching history today because I was into, hey, y'all learn this and y'all learn this. I think kids would be like, why? <laughs> All I have to do is say, who was the 16th president? Uh, I don't have to remember that it's Abraham Lincoln. It, it, it's right there. And I thought, you know, that'd be pretty tough because we're not geared a lot of times to this idea of holding on to it and keeping it and thinking like, and, and again, there's a great advantage to the technology that we have as far as access to the Word of God. And there, but I really want to encourage us to, to learn more and more how to just really get a grip on this. And 
We're going to have to read it, folks. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. And I say that, I, I hate to sound condescending. This is not like, boy, I think our church just isn't reading the Bible like they should. This has been my whole life as a Christian. I know this. We talk a good game, but we really are not people of the book most of the time. We're not. We're going to have, at the beginning of 2022, we're going to have some read through the Bibles uh, in a year books available and suggest that you either do that or get an app and really get into the Word of God because I can't stress that enough. Paul said, hey, Hold fast to the word of life. Okay, hold on to it. Get a grip on it. Maybe that grip means reading it and listening to it and memorizing it and meditating on it and studying it, and then I got a five-finger grip on it. But whatever it means, get a grip on that word of God. So we've got to have this. And I watch people navigating life right now and, and struggling, and I, I, the first question I want to ask is, are you at all in the word of God? Are you filling your life with that truth? Even if I am poured out as a drink offering, Upon a sacrificial offering, that drink offering, the idea of just giving it all, Paul says, I'm still going to be glad and rejoice with all of you. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. And he brings it back around to this joy that we talked about last week, a joy that is not based at all on circumstances, but a joy that is inherent because of the presence of God in our life and because of the recognition of a greater purpose that we have in serving him. And we'll come back to that as we get into more Philippians. But I want to I'll close with one last thing from chapter 2. We look at this incredible, I shouldn't have even tried, I should have just said dip, parabola, parabola, I said it right. We look at this incredible God descent, descending and ascending again. And we see that as kind of a basis, and then we understand some things about the practice of how this is supposed to play out in our lives. He closes the chapter by talking about two of his buddies that he wants to send to them. One's name is Timothy, and the other's name Epaphroditus. You ever notice that some names just never catch on? You know, you meet people named Timothy all the time, but I've never met an Epaphroditus. And this guy was a good guy, and it's a catchy name. I like it. In fact, if we have another kid, babe, Epaphroditus uh, for sure. It, 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 it's coming. We're going to have a kid named Epaphroditus. Uh, but uh, you, both of these guys, he praises, and he says, hey, you know, these guys have been great encouragement to me. I'm sending to you and everything like that. And I just thought about this, this whole idea, too, as we look at this idea of our life moving forward. Okay, again, I want to say this. If you're thinking that somehow coming to church or anything that you do is earning God's favor, you're missing, oh, you're missing it. Sorry. <laughs> Put the microphone outside my hands. doesn't work. Uh, but you're totally missing it. Because that goes against the very definition of grace. Grace means I can't earn it. Okay? Grace means I, 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 it, it is totally free from God. I'm not trying to earn God's favor. What I am is because he has saved me, because I've trusted in him, because he has given me salvation, now I want to work out that salvation with fear and trembling. I want to see this new life inside of me grow. I want to ask him to grow me. I want to realize I'm going to grow up my at the, my own pace, if you will. I'm going to work out my own salvation. And I'm going to grow and mature, but I want to be excited about that and have this joy. I want to do all that. Something else we might want to consider as to why these two guys are mentioned in this story, Timothy and Epaphroditus, is because God has designed us to help each other along this journey. Okay? So we want to have some partners in our walk. That is why you say, well, I don't really think I need church. I understand. Uh, I've said this before, I've been burned by church sometimes too, and I get that. But very simply, God has designed the body of Christ that we help each other. And I want to encourage you on this journey. You know what? I've been meaning forever to, to read my Bible more. Suggestion to you, find somebody else that's a friend and say, hey, how about we walk through this together? 
so we can encourage each other, we can challenge each other, uh, we can, you know, just uh, check on each other, hey, give some accountability. How about we walk through this together? We are not designed to go this alone. Uh, God has put us in a body, a body of Christ. And Paul, I, I didn't know exactly how that fit in there, you know, why that is exactly there that is very personal. You know, he's just talking about these guys and he's sending them. But it did remind me that Paul had partners in what he was doing and how important it is that we, too, have some partners in our walk and in our, in our following him. Okay, you want to review with me for just a second here? I hope, seriously, I mentioned this in the connection this week, is sending it out. I encourage you to do this. But uh, I think a good exercise this week would be to go to uh, Philippians chapter 2 and read through, especially those first 11 verses. Read about how, even though he's God, even though he is God, he said, I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to come to earth and maybe sing yourself a little Christmas song. I'm going to come to earth. I'm going to live a life on this earth. And not only that, but I'm going to descend not only to life on this earth, but I'm going to descend into the sinfulness of this life so that I can pay the price for your sin. But then it says that God raised him up and exalted him. And see that, if you will. See that journey that he took, because that's really the basis of all that we believe. Is not that this is a religion, but that this is a relationship with the God who loved me so much that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that relationship, and I focus on that a little bit as I read it. And then I look and I say, hey, I'm not trying to earn his favor. You can't do that, okay? Uh, God gives. He's, he's gracious like that. But God has put a new life in me when I trusted him. I want to grow in that life. I want to mature in that life. And hey, you know what? I might need a little help. I might need some partners to help me with that. And I want to go on that journey as far as finding them. I'm going to invite uh, the folks to come back up. Uh, almost a temperance, patience, and a keyboard. And I always call her the wrong fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Jess and, and uh, Trent, and, and uh, so that we can close singing again. Again, I appreciate these, these folks stepping in. Uh, but uh, as we as we do close and as we sing, I um, Pastor Josh mentioned that uh, next week we're going to do baptism, and um, one of the things that you know we always like to stress is that baptism is is not. I didn't mention that today. I didn't say, hey, you got to be baptized in order to have this new life because the Bible doesn't say that. It says believe on Him, but. Jesus gave us the example of being baptized. Jesus uh, also, I'm sorry, throughout Scripture, talks about the fact that that's what believers did. They said, yes, I've trusted in Jesus. I want to let people know, so I'm going to be baptized. So maybe this, this is something that God's kind of speaking to you about, and you've trusted Christ, but you've never been baptized. And you'd like to talk to me about that. I want you to know I'm available after church today or uh, you know, if you want to call or anything like that, we're going to do the baptismal service next week and would love to include uh, somebody else if that's something the Lord's speaking to you about. Maybe a bigger thing is just this. Christianity is just something you kind of look at as kind of a part of your life. And I, I again, I, I don't mean to be condescending. I don't mean to uh, be rude in any way, and I don't want to offend. That's not my purpose. But that's just not in the Bible. Okay, Jesus never said, hey, I'd like to be a component of your life. Jesus said, follow me. 
I want to give you a whole new life. I want to give you spiritual life. In fact, the Bible uses this terminology. It says that which is dead is made alive in Christ, giving us a new birth. And if we don't have that, then we're not earning bonus points or, or brownie points here. You know, we're not stacking them up and thinking someday, man, I hope I get enough to get into heaven. Well, I went to church three weeks in a row. That ought to give me something. Uh, put up with that guy for three weeks in, in, in a row. We're not playing that game, okay? That has nothing to do with it. What it has to do with is Jesus Christ, and we gather to exalt him and glorify him, and we gather to enjoy him and celebrate him. And let us close our service by enjoying and celebrating him some more. If you'd stand with me, we'll sing. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.